Hello and welcome to the Sunday night breakdown. Daniel Outledge and Dave Forrester with you. We're in the playoffs and we've got four quarterfinals to go through this week. And well, first of all, I, I need to speak to the production company because it seems they just let anybody on color these days. How did that happen? This had nothing to do with me, full disclosure. How did that happen, Dave? Um, I don't really know. I think I think there may have been some form of um, error with the televideo people because I got a message on Friday afternoon saying that they didn't have anybody to do the games on Monday and could I help out? And um, I said yes. And, there you uh, go. There you go. Did you, you enjoy know, it? That's the question. The die was cast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was. It was like going back in time a little bit to um, to when I was on the sidelines. Okay. You, because kind I thought of, you were going back to Eagles Radio there. No, 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 no. Well, that was that was that would be very interesting. Um, the, the production values were probably a little bit less impressive. <laughs> um, but no, it was just figuring out what's going on in real time, as opposed to talking about it afterwards, is always yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. Um, but uh, hopefully, you know, just try and provide a little bit of insight to what's going on. Um, away from the, the obvious stuff, you know? So it was fun, yeah. I'm not sure I could um, do it permanently, but I enjoyed it. Well, let's see if we can get some insight uh, now that we've reflected on it. We'll start off, we'll do these by tie rather than by game. So we'll start off with the Leicester Riders Bristol Flyers uh, games and uh, Leicester won 85-56 and then also 97 79 on Monday and Wednesday to, to to really cruise through. There wasn't really much in this in the in the first half of the first leg. Um, it, it was it was only 35-30 at halftime. It wasn't really until the third quarter that Leicester were able to pull away. Yeah, Leicester hadn't obviously played for the more than a week um, and will have had an emotional drop off from winning the league. And you can't just immediately jump into an emotional pickup again. And um Bristol did some things well in the first half. But, you know, the first six or seven minutes of the game, they were very good. They got the ball to where they wanted it. They got Mockford coming off some curls. Um, they defended reasonably well, albeit the, the screen and roll defence struggled with a bit. Del Pesh really struggled in the middle. And um, Kapoulis had to bring in um, Adozi instead of Del Pesh. The problem was Adozi's defence was better, but then he blew two layups at the other end. So they couldn't get any kind of consistent... Um, defence in the first half and Leicester were just a little bit off and um, the difference between finishing first and finishing eighth is that you've got a, you've got another notch or two to go up when you need it mm. and Leicester did that in the third quarter and then they just asphyxiated Bristol um, slowly, methodically and um, brutally and, and Bristol kind of fell away bit by bit you know, it wasn't. A, it was a death by a thousand cuts type of situation, and 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 Leicester broke Bristol basically, um, as demonstrated by the way that the first half they kept Crandall in relative control, and then by the second half he was getting in the middle of the lane and being able to throw it off to the big guys, and they were just getting layups, and the, and uh, Bristol's defense just broke down. Yeah, seventeen-two run. In four minutes in the third quarter, I'd Leicester at 17 up. And then uh, Mo Walker hit nine in a row in the fourth quarter. And it was 78-49. And the 49 was as big a problem as the as the 78. They just couldn't couldn't find a way uh, a way through Leicester. Interested to get your reflection on on Walker, because obviously um uh 
Ali Fraser out injured it sounded from the um, sounded from the interviews that Rob gave as if he's they're not expecting him to play again this season. So Walker, who's been out injured and they've been giving spotty minutes, suddenly becomes the the, the bench unit centre, and and obviously he's very different to to Ali. Yeah, I mean at his best, and I say at his best, I mean I don't mean this in a, in a bad way. I mean coming not coming off a you know two horrendous years of injury, um, he's a game changing player in the league. Um, whether he can get back to that level is another in such a short space of time is another matter. Um, what's interesting was that he is a guy that you dump the ball down to, or that, that, that the temptation is to dump the ball down to. But I thought Leicester were better in the Bristol game when they eschewed that and they went to Crandall in the screen and roll and let Crandall draw them and give him the basketball because Mo Walker isn't going to miss, you know, layups. Once he gets a ball with two feet in the paint, he's going to score. So it will be interesting to see how, what things they do differently with him. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup because he's coming off the bench for Leicester and we've got Newcastle in the semi-final and Max was coming off the bench for Newcastle. Yeah. So it's two seriously big bodies there. Um, and... Um, whether what you don't want to do if you're Leicester is change the way you've been effective. In the Bristol um, first leg, they were 20 of 25 in the paint, the three bigs. Mm. That's unsustainable for any team because they're all layups. There's no way you can beat them if you give them that because it's all off penetration. These aren't tough post-ups over two or three guys. It's just a layup after a layup after a layup. And uh, if they're able to maintain that and continue to go that way, then um, I've seen only positives if, however, they decide, you know, the, the lineups aren't quite right and they just end up throwing the ball down there to him, you know, that can set your team off rhythm. He's played enough games now where I don't think Rob will let that happen. Mm. So I'm cautiously optimistic for them. They do benefit from him, but they lose Fraser. So, you know, it's already saying, oh, we're going to be unbeatable now. We've got Walker. Well, yeah, we've lost Fraser. Fraser's pretty good. Yeah. You know, so so the, the, the question is, what, what positive benefits do you get out of Walker that you wouldn't get out of Fraser? And that might be matchup dependent, um, you know, against Bristol with Adozi and, and, and Del Pesh, you know, the muscle is there and it's very useful. Against Newcastle with Maxwell, maybe you'd want to have Fraser, who's a little bit more... Um, kind of opens the floor a little bit, stretches the floor a little bit more because Max was one of the few guys in the league who's got a kind of a big enough body to, to bang with Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it was a very encouraging... The encouraging thing was yeah. the way that um, Crandall was able to link up with him. Yeah. And, yeah. and defensively, he wasn't caught out. Yeah, 16 and 6 off 7 of 8 shooting in the in the first leg and he had 11 uh, 11 and 9 in the in the second leg and some good minutes because the second leg um the Flyers led early on but then Leicester had a 16-2 run late in the first half. So it meant that they didn't really need to to play that second half at all and they could give him some some extended run. Yeah, certainly I mean the, at the end of the third quarter in the first leg it was like it was like you know Bristol were kind of tottering on the ropes and they were just about to be knocked out and he came out and was the extra piece which allowed them to do that. Um, the second leg, a bit of a non-event, um, I'm afraid. Um, the I don't think you take much from it because Leicester are playing properly, but they're not playing hard, if I can put it that way. They're not playing as hard as they can. You know, they're not putting their foot to the metal. Um, Bristol are kind of playing for pride a little bit, um, but they're... Kind of, their aura was up and down the whole two games. You know, they they went from you know jumping up and down and, and you know lockets flying around and making plays to um, 
to blocking shots and stuff to, to basically being utterly passive and, and not having any degree of impact on, on you couldn't work out what they were doing so you know it was just a game waiting for Leicester to, to kind of decide whether they wanted to win it or not I thought um, and they're always going to want to win it because it's a win for the record isn't it yeah exactly um, and um, they did so you know, it's what we said about, you know, going back a while now, first for eighth, you fight to get into eighth, but ultimately you you um, you end up with a heck of a matchup because you're playing against a team um, who's got different levels to go to. Um, and you're playing against them without your, without your GB point guard. So yeah. really tough. Let's go on to the uh, second game on uh, Monday and Wednesday. Um, on Monday, it was 73-66, the Lions over... Uh, Cheshire and uh, well, the second leg was a uh, a route ninety five sixty. The Lions won that one. Let's let's start off with the the beginning of that first leg. And Justin Robinson came out. You could see he was just he was on it right from the beginning. Three three pointers, eleven points in that first quarter. They open up a a twenty one ten lead early on. Yeah, and this is where you know you have to, you have to, guys who've been in the league. You have to know your history. Um, Justin Robinson played in the team that got knocked out in the first round um, not so long ago and has, he has talked about it since publicly about how frustrated and upset he was that they didn't get to, to the final um, and well it's the other guys particularly Liggins and, and Parker they kind of are feeling their way into, this, into this, these playoffs that type of thing Justin Robinson's not. So Justin Robinson comes out and he he, he plays um, aggressively. He makes shots and he just leads he leads the group. Um, Liggins wasn't quite right in this game. He was he, he was a little bit antsy as he was pointing at people. It, it was almost like this whole kind of playoff two leg thing. It, it got to maybe it was being back in Newcastle yet again because they, they've taken a residency on the quayside. I think that's uh, London. <laughs> Um, kept the Malmais on in business. Kept the Malmais no on in business, indeed. Um, but um, he wasn't quite right, and and because of that, and because he is the person that London take their primary inspiration from, that they, they kind of go as he goes to a certain degree. Um, Cheshire were able to hang around, and Cheshire played what was pretty close to a perfect game for them, mm. given the resources, given the the lineups that they had. Um, in particular, with the amount of disruption that they were able to create in the London offense and, and get their hands on balls and um, deflections, and, and Ross was all over the court basically. Uh, and um, because of that, there was no separation for London. And then they got again; they got a little bit. Well, there, there were, early in the second quarter, you just thought, "Oh, London are going to." Liggins had made a couple of plays, and you thought they they are going to just cruise away with this. But but credit to Knicks; they finished that first half really well. I think it was eighteen five in the last uh, five minutes, and 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 got as you say within touching distance, and then then hung on in the in the in the second uh, in the second half. Never let them get too far away. Well, they did, and that's because they held them to 73 in the game, and that's because they held, you know, they, they got their deflections. Cheshire, um, London didn't shoot the ball great from the three-point line, but they didn't get as many kind of clear, open looks as perhaps they're used to doing, and maybe a little bit antsy apart from, you know, Dirk Williams and Justin Robinson. Mm. Um, they, they didn't shoot it particularly well. Um, and you just felt that, 
the tempo of the game was right for Cheshire. Mm. They didn't have they only had they only scored 966 in the game or something like that. Yeah. So they didn't have to score the ball. It wasn't a question of somebody going mad and, and scoring the ball a lot. It was a question of just digging down defensively. And um, you know, Kerry did a good job in this game. He defended when they know, had that small people. unit on as well. They were they were able to get steals and runbacks. Yeah, and that, I mean, that was interesting because I, that, you know they didn't really do that much in the second leg. I thought they they, they, they missed a trick there um, because Vince talked about it in the in the interview afterwards. You when the, it's tough when you've got two dominant centres, yeah. two four dominant centres, to have them both sitting down. Um, but sometimes you know there, there are margins of the game. There are periods of the game whereby um, you know, that's something you, you might like to do um, because it takes the opposition out of their comfort zone if it makes them take one of their guys off the court. And, you know, if you're talking about playing against London, you really do want to try and throw some problems at them because yeah. they have so many potential solutions that it's quite feasible that, that, that Vince will, will, will not necessarily find the right one straight away because he's simply got so many players he can cycle through. And um, if you don't, if you don't have that, you, that can give you maybe a five-minute, four or five-minute run, mm. which can change a game. And in the playoffs, you're playing, for, you're playing by four or five minutes. You're playing by units. You want the best yeah. you want on to win the next four or five minutes. Um, and then I think at the end of the third quarter, they went to the two big lineup, Cheshire, in the first leg. And um, they did okay. Um, they got a couple of offensive rebounds and just kind of just hung around. But then it came down to the end of the game, and, and unfortunately, the, the time well, the, that the, started to play impacted their, their, their ability to finish the game. Yeah, the, the the interesting bit is they got back to I think it was McCall hit a three with four minutes to go, put them up by up by a point. Uh, Robinson obviously hit the deck, limps out of the game. Mm. Uh, Dangakodo comes in, having not played in the game. Uh, to that point, and you sort of think, oh, this is this is a real chance. But I mean, credit to Jules, he comes out cold, having sat and watched the game for thirty six minutes, and and makes a couple of big plays for them. Yeah, more than credit. I mean, it's phenomenal, you know, to have that degree of and um, professionalism. And the thing with, with Jules Dangakoda is that this year he's kind of amongst all the the kind of second tier London players who haven't really played that much. He's the one who's really stepped. And, and, and made you notice him when he has. Mm. You know, the guys have all been there and the times have been hot and cold and that's Spencer and it can win and Lockhart. They've all kind of, you know, and some of the, the backup centres have all been around. They've all contributed. But Okoto is the one guy who you've thought, actually, this guy could probably play a lot more somewhere else mm. and the way that he's playing. And part of that is because he was always um, recognised as a relatively shaky three-point shooter. I'm not, you have to check the numbers for last year, but... Certainly, we weren't running him off the three-point line when he played at the um, at the the Royals, and this year he's up at forty-two percent. Mm. You know, and that's and obviously you're getting more open shots because he's not necessarily having to create as much off the dribble. They've got multiple ball handlers in the, the swinging the ball and getting them shots. But to come in and uh, you know to make a three, to make um, to get an assist, to play some defense at that point, you know, it's a fantastic thing for a coach to have a guy who can do that. He wouldn't have got in the game if Robinson had been injured. No. He would have been sat there. He wouldn't have been in the game. And for him to stay ready in that way, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with, with him next year because he needs to be playing more than nine or ten minutes a game for a team. So a minute to go in the game, it's it's 66-65 to London and you think Cheshire, you know, could still win the game, but but what they can't allow London to do is make a couple of plays in the last minute. And what happens is Parker hits a four-point play 
Uh, Ross goes one for three from the three-point line, and then Williams on the buzzer. And all of that sort of effort and momentum just deflates away for Cheshire losing by seven in a game they could have won. Yeah, and then, then within two minutes of the second leg, it's 15, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah it, and that's partly because of that. Yeah, I mean, to be absolutely fair, you know, they didn't blow much in that time. Ross missed a couple of foul shots, but Ross has played 38 minutes. Mm. Um, uh, Parker makes a tough shot. Brian Manning's coming at him. And, um, you know, they, they didn't blow a coverage. He just made a tough shot and it kind of bobbled around a bit before it went in. And then Williams on the buzzer just makes, or close to the buzzer, just makes a ridiculous shot. You know, it's just nothing. You can't, that's just talent. That's just offensive players with talent um, making a difference in the game. You couldn't have, they couldn't have defended that better. He caught the ball on the logo and, and they had a man flying out at him. Um, so, yeah, moment, momentum in a two-legged game, you know, the last five minutes can make a difference, particularly when it's kind of the plucky underdog Mm. who drops away mm. because you know you, you almost if you're London you're thinking that's their best shot mm. if you're Cheshire you're thinking that might have been our best shot we're going to give it another one but London know that in that game they shot like 9 of 30 something from the three point line or something yeah. like that and they're thinking well this isn't the way we shoot and as it demonstrated in the second leg they had another level to go to as well yeah well it was 11 of 30 they they, yeah. uh, they shot after, yeah and the uh, and the um, the interesting thing about it was they were eleven of their first fifteen in the second leg. Yeah, and and, and <laughs> thing about the second leg was um, yes, the London went off. They went off on a, on a on a tear at the beginning. Um, Thirteen two start they had. In but the first uh, Cheshire were defending them like they were a team that had made eleven out of thirty two threes in the first game. That that, mm. that 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 was the way they shoot and. Sometimes you have to realise, especially in a quick two-legged turnaround game, it's not just what you did well and what the other, what 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 you didn't do well. It's what the opposition didn't do well and where you got lucky. Because in any basketball game, you do get lucky. You, the opposition miss shots, you make mistakes, and you get away with stuff which can be hidden by the score, can be hidden by plays that are made, but it doesn't change the process of what's gone on. Now, when you play teams twice in a row like that, it might just be a little bit level of focus because it's a second leg as opposed to a first leg and you give up the same shot. And in fact, from my perspective, the defence actually wasn't as good in the second leg. Maybe they were worn down a bit. You give up the same type of shot, then suddenly they are flying in from everywhere. And then um, after that run, you know, Ben's in his box of tricks trying to find something that works. And at that, he went to his, to Lull and Brian Amming very early in that game um, to try and I don't know, change the tempo or, or something, but that just meant there was even more space for the shooters mm. because then Parker got going and Ikinwin came in and made three threes. He's playing as a stretch four. Yeah. But if he's got, it, but if he's being guarded by Lola Brian Amning, he's going to get those shots. Mm. You know, Parker the same, Ward Hibbert the same. So um, the, the the three point shooting kind of became a, you know almost a self fulfilling prophecy for them because the only thing that Cheshire thought that they were able to do was to go bigger. To try and to try and bully them, but unfortunately, that was that that was the game was gone by then. Mm. And um, you know, it, I think you, know, you have to feel a little bit for Cheshire because the circumstances of the tie don't really assist them. Two legs over three days against as stacked a team as London with the limited numbers of bodies, the healthy bodies that they have is tough. If it had been maybe what a leg like a week apart. Mm. 
you know, you think the better opportunity, or even better, if it had been a three-game series, even better, because then they, they could have easily nicked the first one. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly the whole thing is the whole thing is different because you're not thinking, well, this game's done after probably 15 minutes of the second leg. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was 50 to 23 after 15 well, minutes. Okay, yeah, well, probably so after that... 10 minutes. 10 minutes <laughs> of the second leg, it's done. And um, that's what happens. You know, one... You know, this is kind of the downside of the of the the, the, the two-legged thing. I don't actually like it for the playoffs. I always prefer three leg three games to the playoffs. Is that one bad quarter can can change seven instead of in, yeah. a, in a in a three game series? It, one bad quarter changes four. Mm. But then you come back and you got another game. You know, so you have another opportunity. And I think they they, they, they given the the resources disparity and, and what what had gone on all season, um, you know, they, they can be pretty. Chuffed with that, the fact that they got to seventh. Um, they've had some players who've shown out this year who, who I think have done themselves good. Carey in particular. Ross, obviously, is high-level point guard in a league of high-level point guards. Um, we know what McCall is. And, and the two big guys have, have shown that they can contribute as well. I don't, I'm not necessarily sure they're perfect for the same team, though. Mm. Yeah, uh, peaked at 84-36, that one. So... Uh... As you say, yeah, well, I'm glad you were commentating and watching. Yeah. I'm not sure I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go on to the Tuesday and Thursday playoff quarterfinals. Uh, Newcastle 79, Sheffield 77 in the first leg, and that that basket was the difference in the end because they were 81-81 at the end of uh, at the end of 80 minutes, uh, 40 minutes in the in the second leg. And it, well, if we go back to the to the is first that, leg, that, does that count as a 51-49 Newcastle prediction? By the way. It, I think it does. I think I it, does, it does. Yeah, I'm well, not, yeah. not wishing to, to, you know, yeah, to yeah. any unnecessary plaudits, but, <laughs> but, but take them where they are. There, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll not only take them, I will claim them. So, so let's go back to the first half of the first leg. Not a great deal between them until the last four minutes of that first half, where Eagles had a, a 76, a 17, sorry, to six run to take it from a, a one-point game to a, a 14-point game with Edwards and Gordon uh, providing the bulk of it. Yeah, I mean, the game, the, the game was the legitimate game of two halves. Like Every game is a game of two halves, but the, the, like the phrase is meant to suggest two different halves, mm. uh, and it was because even though the game was close in the first half, um, the momentum was entirely in Newcastle's favour. Sheffield were making difficult shots. Newcastle were getting comfortable shots in rhythm. They were knocking them down. Um, the you know Fletcher was looking for his three point shot, which is always an indication, uh, and, and you just got and Defoe was getting to the rim, and he got to the rim five or six times, and that's not acceptable for for Sheffield because that's not the way they play defense. You know, the, to give up you know ten points on layups to Defoe is just is just you know the amount of times he's played against them is mm. is unsustainable for them. And as such, Newcastle had fifty two points by the half. Sheffield kind of hung around only because they they made some tough shots. And it could have been, you know, could have been a little bit worse for them because I don't think they were there. And then we, I mean, you can set your watch to the amount, to the time that Sheffield come out, have come out of the dressing rooms at half time this season at the arena, because um, it's normally about a minute and a half to go after Atiba's had to give them a telling off, mm. and it's happened three times. <laughs> it's yeah. the same, and and their, their, their energy levels picked up substantially in the um, second, in the third quarter, and in particularly in transition. You know, and Newcastle's kind of Jekyll and Hyde persona came in as well because it wasn't that they weren't scoring, but it was that when they weren't finishing, they weren't getting back. 
And when they're not getting back, that gave Retino two or three layups in transition, Coke got a layup in transition, and suddenly the easy points that you need to kind of, that Sheffield do actually rely on. They're not a particularly potent offensive half-court team. They're solid, but they're not. But getting those points in transition, that changes the momentum of the, the game, and that changes the, the manner in which Sheffield are playing defence, and suddenly the basket gets very, very small for Newcastle, and um, they're struggling to score. And um, you add in the fact that the Newcastle guards are always playing lots of minutes, mm. um, which you know, makes you worry about the, the lack of the amount of pressure that they have placed on them to create in the fourth quarter. Um, and that if nobody else is start, stepping up to score, um, they have difficulties. And I think in the fourth quarter, I don't think anybody apart from Fletcher had a fourth score. I might be wrong. Yeah. Um, it was, in some ways, it was a microcosm of both seasons. I mean, yeah. as you as you say, Sheffield are the team they would spot you a 10, 12-point lead and see if they can get it all back in the second half. And we've we've seen this movie play out before for Newcastle where they've had a had a good lead. It reached 17 early in the third quarter and, and, and teams reel them back in. They've not always got all the way back, but this one was uh, Sharks with the last score of the third quarter and then the first nine of the fourth. And, it, and it's a two-point game going uh, that, with, se- with seven minutes to go. Yeah, that was a story which is played out for Newcastle quite regularly. The game they lost against Manchester, they yeah. did exactly the same. Manchester went to run the game, I think, against Surrey the following week. was was fairly similar. There was runs at the beginning of the fourth quarter where um, what appeared to be a relatively comfortable lead suddenly becomes um, twisty. And um, I actually think there was a, it was significant last four minutes of this first leg because... Where I think you would have got to a point, and you can correct us on this, but where Sheffield would have probably took the lead with about four minutes to go, mm. four or five minutes to go, and they had all the momentum. And at that point, I think if I'm Sheffield, I'm looking to go up six or eight. Yeah. But Newcastle can't score. Newcastle had nine points in the, in, in, in the um in the fourth quarter, and it wasn't particularly well played basketball at the end, but there was enough kind of grinding it from both teams defensively, um, whereby Newcastle were able to stop that momentum before it it kind of, you know, run them over and just scrape out a lead at the end. Mm. Um, and I think that was an important lead. Not well, it was obviously important lead, two points. It was important not because it was a two-point lead. It was important because of what it wasn't. Yeah, they weren't behind. You know, it, it could have been six or eight the other way, comfortably. And if it had been six or eight to Newcastle, I don't think anyone would have cared because Sheffield had been that all season coming from Yeah, behind. yeah. But if it had been six to eight from Sheffield after Newcastle had been 16 or 17 up, mm. then that becomes a psychological thing because that would be the third time Sheffield have done it this season. So the, the fact that they were able to, that um, Newcastle were able to hold on, and I think there were just a couple of stops at the end. There was no, mm. no baskets. Yeah, there wasn't. What was was critical, I think. Yeah, and then Sheffield, having finished the first leg well, started the second leg uh, really well. Retino hit a couple of early threes. They got out to a to a nine point lead, and you were talking about momentum. They certainly had it there going into the first quarter of that. Yeah, they had confidence certainly, yeah. but also their their Newcastle's defense in the first quarter wasn't particularly good. In fact, Sheffield's defense wasn't particularly good. You know, both teams scored. It's just Newcastle missed a couple more shots than Sheffield did. Um, and then from memory, yes, some threes, but also Nichols got going early. Mm. And, you know, yeah. Nichols is bellwether for them. 
and um, didn't miss a shot in the whole game. No, no, no. And this is kind of something that slightly concerns me for Newcastle going forward. That you know, in the first leg, Helmsy didn't miss a shot. He's a main guy for them. Uh, second leg, Nichols didn't miss a shot. He's another main guy. These are guys that you probably want to, you know, pretty high up on your scouting reports to take out, take out of what they're doing. And they're both going nine of nine. So they're going to have to look at that going forward against against Leicester. It was um, Lillard in the first leg who didn't miss a shot. Helmsy was 10 of, 10, 10 of 13. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, so yeah, so so it became another almost a reverse situation whereby you felt Newcastle creaking. Yeah. Um, but the different, I think, what stopped them creaking primarily um, was Gordon. I mean, yeah. Fletcher struggled offensively, but still had still came up with his assists and his, and his defense. But Gordon, every time they needed a basket, he found a way. Whether it was on a drive, whether it was in the post, whether it was from the three-point line, um, he he became a big game player, and he, um, he's shown that this year. He did, and and he was part along with Maxwell of a ten-o run in the in the second quarter that got it back to two. But Sheffield came back with the next uh, nine points, and and then they managed to keep them just about at bay and 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 it was one of those things where you were thinking they've they've got everything in this game what of newcastle got left and then if we spin it forward to the start of the of the fourth quarter um they'd got it back to eagles had got it back to four late in the third and then sheffield 10 in a row that tuck three pointer is about two and a half minutes into the fourth quarter it's a 14 point game he's pointing at me and row everything is going their way and you think this is it here Sheffield are going to win yeah that beginning of those minutes kind of the end of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter again hurt Newcastle and as I say it's happened regularly one point they had a lineup with I think um Fletcher Edwards Sears Fluger and Adonikin and I don't even know if that lineup had played together because your bigs were in foul trouble and um Sheffield kind of broached the, the, the quarter and went round it. And as you say, they made a ton of shots. And more importantly, they started creating something, creating stuff off their defence. Um, but the eight the seven minutes that they played before the last seven minutes mm. were totally different to the, sub, the subsequent seven minutes they played because watching it back, they basically imploded mm. um, in relation to their decision-making at that time. And the people who needed to touch the ball really didn't touch the ball. Um, wouldn't have Newcastle gained something, um, got a bit of momentum with getting the ball down to Maxwell down low. Um, and this is, this is why I think as a scorer off the bench, he becomes a, you know, a focal point. You can throw the ball to him because he's 6'10", yeah. nice touch. Um, and he's not necessarily playing against the opposition starters the same way that he was, where he's being exposed a little bit defensively. So they went, they went to him, and um, the points he scored kept them in it because yeah. obviously, even if you're getting stops, you can't. You're down twelve or fourteen. You've got to be scoring the ball. And once it got to kind of six or eight, I think certainly some of the Sheffield guys got tight. Um, Lillard, um, I don't know if it was a two-legged thing. I don't know being a, being a rookie. Whatever, um, he made three or four poor plays down the stretch. He over, he drove. He didn't get any con, looking for contact layups, um, and um, also Hemsley hardly touched the ball. Mm. You know, and, and Hemsley was kind of the guy that you would expect to have the ball in his hands, and indeed he was right at the end. So they turned the ball over more, and they struggled to score. That was the um, 
the, the major difficulty that they had. And that allowed Newcastle to get a little bit of momentum, which meant that when Sheffield did make a shot, Newcastle were in the game. So yeah. I think it came down to Retino. I think yeah. he has made I mean, a three. Mentioned, then, yeah, you mentioned yeah. Maxwell, Edwards as well, in that they yeah. got it back to, uh, to six. Then Sayers hits a three. Uh, and Maxwell scores, and it, it's a three-point game with three minutes to play. And you, and and again, you're thinking, "Wow, Sheffield are, are, are wobbling here." But Retino hits an important three to make it a six-point game. Yeah, but, but if he, that, that play, because they ran a nice play for that, uh, and to get in the ball at the top, and Sayers went the wrong side around the screen and, and, and nailed it, and the t- Retino nailed it. If that play had been two or three minutes earlier, mm. different game, mm. because at that point Newcastle were in the game. It was, a, it was a three point game in the in the in the in the leg. It was one point game in the tie. Mm. So that's just part of the, the coming and going. Where Sheffield needed to put that game away was at the seven minute mark. Yeah. Between the seven minute mark and the four minute mark. That was yeah. it. That's why they needed those minutes. And they had some guys off the court at that time. They had Nick Lewis um running the point, which isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily add to their their, their fluency when, when he's running the point. Um and, and they just struggled at that point. So Retino makes that three, but what happens then is that the, the juices are flowing, so they go straight down the other end, and, and Gordon pops out on the weak side and mm. steps up and drains and drains it. And, and at this point, it's anybody's game. Mm. The emotions are flowing. And um, it comes down to who executes at the end. And Newcastle did that a little bit better than Sheffield. Yeah, so Gordon hits that three. Also, then followed that up with a with a with a two, and it it actually put. I was in transition. Uh, you went around his back yeah. in transition, and, and he made a tough play. Yeah, off a steal. A, a minute twenty to go, and they're actually now back in front on the on on the aggregate, um, and then uh, it's Edwards with a free throw with thirty seconds to go, uh, and oh. and Sheffield at that point have to score with with what looks like their final offence of the game just to tie it on. Yeah, even just going back a little bit on that, Gordon made that layup because Fletcher just, just Fletcher tipped the pass mm. um, and they got a steal and he scored in transition. Next time down, Nichols gets a five-second call. Yeah. So they don't get a shot. They're not getting shots at the yeah, basket. Yeah, yeah. And the next time, and then he, he, Edwards made foul shots, but that was off three offensive rebounds. Yeah. And Newcastle missed two shots and, and, and made, you know, got two offensive rebounds. So these are all critical things at the end of basketball games. You can't turn the ball over to 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 Lau Fletcher to deflect the pass. You can't get a five-second call at that point mm. in the game. And you certainly can't give up three offensive or two or three offensive rebounds. Mm. And, and against that, they were still in the game. Yeah. Because you know, they're down by one. And finally they get the ball to Helmsley. Yeah. And he and makes, he makes a, a play. I mean, he, he makes, makes a play like there's nothing on it. It was just so laid back, casual, easy for him. Hard right hand dribble, um, slow down, separation behind the back, eight feet, ten feet runner. You know, Edwards has no shot at defending that. He defended it all right, but it was just a, a scorer making a play. And you wonder, you know, apart from that in the Retino three, you know, where had that been? So that then brings us to the Eagles have a timeout and um the the neck is basically all about Fletcher. What what happens is they um Sheffield, I think, could have denied in the ball. If you if you watch the play, he um he starts well away from the basketball, mm. comes up from the top, and Helmsley kind of just stops in case he's switching on the screen and uh, allows Fletcher to catch the ball. And what Fletcher does then is he, he manipulates the defense, he goes to his right, so he in order that he can come back left off a kind of a half screen from um Gordon. And um, they switch. 
Mm. So they, they don't, Hemsley doesn't go over Nichols because guarding Fletcher. Well, Nichols hasn't really guarded Fletcher the whole game. And what that allows um, Fletcher to do is a little hesitation dribble to get to his left to the middle. And you've seen that run out a hundred thousand mm. times. Um, but what Fletcher knows is that because of the switch, um, Gordon is on Helmsley. Mm. And Gordon's in front of Helmsley. Um, the only help Sheffield have is Coke because everybody else is on the weak side. So they're miles away. So Coke comes across to the middle to disrupt the shot. Um, but because Gordon is on Helmsley's, well, Helmsley's on Gordon's back, Fletcher knows that all he's got to do is throw it up there. Mm. And uh, I initially thought it was a shot when I watched it. Mm. Um, but watching it back, it's not. It's a pass. You, you know, think that was a pass? I was, sure. I was sure it was a shot. No, it was, no, it was definitely a pass. Two reasons. One, um, if it had been deflected, yeah, mm. it wasn't. One, he doesn't miss from eight feet by that much. But secondly, it wasn't that it was short. It was short to the way. It was short, you know, two feet to the side of the rim. Mm. And um, you've got to watch it from behind the basket, from on the angle. You didn't really have a great angle. Because I thought it was a shot on the, on the angle you guys had to start with. But that was a pass. And um, he, he threw that pass because he knew that Gordon did switched on the screen and Gordon finished it. Um, so I was, that, that was all about Fletcher. Um, and then second time this season, Bennett Cook had a shot yeah. at the end of an inbounds. Um, he probably could have done with 1.1 seconds instead of 1.7 yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just kind of put it up there before he looked, before he had his body quite an angle. And if you're 6'10", mm. that's tough, you know, because you're not used to shooting the ball like that. You're used to getting into your rhythm, getting your steps right and putting it up. Um, but they ran a nice play. They ran Helmsley yeah. across the baseline. They had Lewis throwing the ball in, so Helmsley was a threat. Um, Retino come up, come up the top and spin around the base, spin around for the lob, and then Cook slipped to the rim and he got Defoe. He got half a step on Defoe, which allowed him to catch the ball. Um, Eagles weren't pressuring the ball on the on the sideline, so he had the ability to throw that pass, and um, he just didn't quite catch it with his body the right way. He wasn't facing. Yeah. He to kind of turn and lay it in. He had to catch it and then turn. And because he knew the time, he put it up too quick yeah. and um, couldn't make it. But it was a great look. Yeah, it wasn't easy, but they wouldn't have got anything much better than that, I don't think. No, absolutely not. Um, the only thing is that you're worried that you know, if, if you're Newcastle, you're still worried that they get a three off. Yeah. Or even worse, a three on a foul. So I yeah. think you're kind of denying Retino and you're denying Helmsley. To not let them get that, and it has to be um, Coke or Nichols shooting the basketball. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think you, you're happy with that. Normally, with that lob play, it, it was a strange, it was a little variation on the lob play because we've seen it a few times this season. Normally, the the big spins off the back for the lob. Yeah. Okay, yeah. he actually slipped him. It was Retinho spun off the back, and it was Coke actually used that to slip in the front of the four, um, which was a, a nice little um, kind of switch on it. But, you know, it was a skin-of-the-teeth game. Either way, both teams, I think, showed um, significant fallibilities. Mm. Um, but also, but eventually, um, the last seven minutes, I think Sheffield's lack of experience. We also missed out that Lillard's foul. Lillard's foul mm. was, was a ridiculous foul um, with 27 seconds to go with 13 on the shot clock down by one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just... just And, and they were... The, 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 they're up by one in the game, but they're down by one, and and their heads are um, sorry, they're down by one in the game, and and you just get the feeling that they're the the, the whole two legged thing kind of really threw him. 
Yeah. I'm not sure whether the people on the sideline were shouting foul, don't foul, whatever. Yeah. It was just a degree of confusion it about that. Because foul. It wasn't a good foul. They get a stop and a score, they win. Yeah. No, and then the way that Hemsley went and scored the ball, you, you can't see yeah. that they've got a score. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the little things matter in the playoffs. Pressure, whether a team cracks, whether your mindset is you're attuned to what's going on, um, whether you're able to, to get the ball to where it needs to go to, and ultimately um, whether you keep your head. And you know, Sheffield probably outplayed Newcastle for five eighths of that tie. Mm. Um, but ultimately they couldn't clean it, clean it up in the set in the last um, seven minutes. No, so Newcastle through. Let's go to the uh, last uh, of the quarterfinals. Plymouth Raiders 84, Worcester Wolves 82 in the first leg and 96-81 to the Raiders in the second leg. And, uh, well, we were all sat there thinking, uh, uh, and I think I think Matt Newby, judging by his post-game press conference, uh, uh, heard everybody going, well, Worcester got no chance here, have they, with no parks, and, and Anderson hasn't played for months and, and, and all of this. <laughs> and they came out swinging in that first quarter, yeah, swinging never... with eight points, Burns dunking everything. They were 18-4 up after five minutes. Yeah, never underestimate that no one believes in a shtick. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We used it so many times. And I almost think that one at times doing various coaches a favor as to doing these podcasts mm. because it only means they can point at some because the coaches are far too smart to start winding the opposition up yeah. beforehand. But it doesn't mean they, if, if, if any of them do listen, I don't know that they can point the finger and say they don't think you're very good, they don't think yeah. you can win, blah 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 blah. And no, I mean they did. Um they absolutely came out um aggressive, they came out motivated. Um, McSwiggan got going early. Burns looked like a different type of player to the one that we've seen. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's looked like a relatively cerebral guy. Mm. Um, you know, taking what the defense gave him when he just came out and he was a force of nature. He was a bit aggressive, um, attacking the rim, dunking on people. Um, Jordan Williams was getting people the basketball where they needed to go. And the difficulty Plymouth have or, have or had is that their starting five isn't the best five. Mm. And so what you had was the most um, cohesive five for Worcester starting the game against a starting five for Plymouth, which isn't its most cohesive five. And Porter Button got injured after five minutes. Mm. Um, and um, Ocherobia played four minutes in the first half and that was it. Will Neighbour was not ready to play at the beginning of the game because he caught the ball in the post a couple of times and he threw it away instead of just making the moves he's been making all year. And PJ sat him down very quickly. So that run came um, with, as I say, a, a, a less effective 5-1 for Plymouth and Worcester's most effective 5-1. Fortunately, you can't play them the whole game mm. And from for, for Worcester's perspective. And what happened then um, is that the lineup that PJ found of Dusher, McGill, um, Morsell, Hamilton and um, Beastie, um, that lineup, which was supplemented by Neighbour a little bit in the second half, um, that lineup is at this point in time unsolved in this league. Nobody has solved that lineup um, offensively. No one has worked out what you're meant to take away, how you're meant to defend them. And the advantage they have is that they're playing against um, Worcester's kind of Anderson just coming in fresh. Mm. Um, Wilkins played, but really didn't have any impact. 
played a few minutes. Elan didn't play because I think Matt Newby must have been worried about the size of Plymouth on the wing because he would be matched up with Morsell, mm. which would have been a tough matchup. And Worcester's bigs obviously, you know, getting a little bit tired as well. So that allows Plymouth with that five out lineup that I'm talking about and with Beastie basically providing a tremendous defensive anchor in the middle and making, getting their offensive rebounds and doing all the little things. Um, that allows them to, to fly back at Worcester and suddenly um, we're back to where we started at half-time. Yeah, Beastie was fantastic all game. Um, the, the flurry of threes it was uh, in the second quarter and it's a 15-3 run to cut it back to three. And this was uh, this was quite a physical and, and a bit chippy at times. More uh, than this that, game. yeah. But the flurry of threes comes because of their lineup. Because they, because they've got five three point shooters on the court, two of them were LVC Dusha, where they just they, they, they you know they forgot he's a thirty seven percent three point shooter, and thirty seven percent two point shooter. You know and they just let him shoot two threes. Then there's then there is you know Beastie Hamilton and McGill gets going because Dusha's playing. Um, so that's the lineup they are getting shots that they're not getting when they've got McGill Porterbunt and Ocherobia and um, you know Marcel and people like that. Now that impacts so then they get flying and go the other way. But yeah, then there was a lot of talking in the first half and the refs mm. kind of just, you know, I don't think they wanted to impose too much too early um, with it being a playoff game. You don't have, you know, you don't be throwing text around in the first mm. half as much. But um, we, yeah, we both, I think, could see what was coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and um, because, you know, you know, Plymouth in particular play, you know, very much on the edge of the refs. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, you know absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. It's just the identity that a team takes over the course of the season. Mm. You know, they are they're a team which is physical. Um, they, they they challenge the referees to make calls, they question calls when they don't get them, respectfully, yeah. most of the time. Yeah. But um, they do play very much on the edge. And there, there's a degree of physical intimidation about them. Again, a good degree of physical intimidation. But primarily, you know, Hamilton is a presence on the court. Or Cherubia is a quiet presence on the court, but he's there. And obviously they had Ebe, and Ebe was a was a was a giant presence on the court. But even then, you're looking at Miguel, who likes to talk, Marcel, who's quite emotional. You know, there's a lot of pieces, there's a lot of moving parts in relation to that. And the bench and, as well is is the loudest bench in the league. So they're up and and jumping up, up and down. Yeah, they weren't the loudest bench in the league in the first quarter. Well, maybe not. You know, you know, I'm I'm always skeptical, a little bit skeptical. I hear what you're saying, and they are. Yeah. I'm always a little bit sceptical about having a loud bench when, um, you know, if you're getting beat by 20, no one's happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what they do do, I think, is that they enjoy each other's successes. Yeah, they do. Um, notably. Um, but I'm a little, you know, a, a little bit of fool's gold with that. I'm not... It, it, it's important, uh, but there's a very fine line between an emotional and, um, and um, helpful bench and being front runners. yeah. You know, yeah, if, you've, okay. if you've not played the whole game and you're up, and dan- you're up dancing, celebrating people's shots and all that stuff, well, I'm looking at you thinking, maybe you should be doing some of this work <laughs> as well. That's just, a, you know, but anyway, that that's picky. Um, so let's, let's get back. Let's get back to, to, to the game. Early in the third quarter, the Wolves uh, uh, got back in front. Uh, they reached 11 at one stage, but McGill, Marcel, Hamilton uh, helped cut it back to 66 70 at the end of the third and then and then the big moment in in the game really in the in the fourth quarter middle of the fourth quarter Hamilton didn't get a call he's talking to to the referee Beastie who it wasn't the first time in the game he did this by the way but Beastie gets in there walks him all the way away from the referee trying to protect him but he obviously said something down court 
because uh, he gets a he gets a technical um, from about fifty feet away. And yeah. then uh, was it the next play or the play after him and Jordan Williams bumping each other on the way down? A lot of chat going on. Referee double technical. Hamilton's out of the game with four four or five minutes to go. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you play on the edge, every every so often you're going to fall off the edge. Hmm. Um, and I think they did. I think he did. I think again, it's a it, it's a shame it was a first leg because ultimately there was no jeopardy at the end of the game. Hmm. Um, to really, you know, and and that's unfortunate. Um, I just I, I didn't see the double tech, so I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to slate Ashley Hamilton and say that was he was wrong to do that. But I don't know if he did anything wrong. He maybe mm. did, maybe he didn't. Maybe they're just talking to each other. But the reality was that it was coming from somebody. Mm. You know, the, whether it was going to be him or whether it was going to be somebody else. And they did have a bit of a, a moan about the refereeing afterwards. But to be honest, the calls that were made, there was more calls on Plymouth than there were on Worcester. Absolutely. Um, but you know, Plymouth are playing more physically than Worcester. Mm. <laughs> you know, that that's that was my view of the game. And all you can do is go back across the game and think of the, um, you know, the various calls that were made and were there any calls that were made and you thought, oh, they blew that one. Or, oh, they got that one wrong. And there weren't many. Mm. You know, there's not many that you actually think, oh, not sure about that, not sure about that. So um, I think it's a useful, that game's a useful lesson for Plymouth because um, PJ mentioned in his interview afterwards about controlling emotions. And you don't want to tell your team to, to stop being what they are. They have to be what they are. They have to be the best version of themselves. Um, but they have to see it for themselves that there are times when you can take that one step too far, lose control of your emotions, and that can impact you in a big game. And hopefully they'll take that forward to the to the semifinals. Um, so, yeah, it, it should have made a difference, but it really didn't because I think Will Neighbour was ready to, ready to play at that point and, yeah. and Beastie was obviously the, the, the best player on the court and McGill was, was at that point whereby he was ready to take over as well. Well, he did take over. He got the he got the six points. I think one, I think there was one basket before the ejection, but two more after it. And then Morcel got the next five. And from from being down and having seen uh, Hamilton leave the game, they're now four up with a couple of minutes to play. And and they've got the 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 talent on the court and and the way they were playing to be able to see that over the line. Yeah, I mean, Worcester did have a, have a couple of shots, but Worcester Anderson shot the ball a lot in that game and and. It's a slight different, diff, difficult dynamic for a team when you've got a player who's been gone seven weeks, mm. and all the other guys have been going through the 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 kind of the the trenches, and they've been playing game after game after game and wearing themselves down. And he's been sitting there, and then suddenly he comes back in, and they actually kind of need him on the court, mm. um, but also he's displacing somebody who's done all that work. Mm. And I'm not necessarily sure that the that they were. I don't think they, it wasn't that they weren't together. I'm not sure that they were entirely as together as they would have been if he played three or four games before the end of the season. Mm. And I think that 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 was something that they lost. Now it also meant that Matt had to continually juggle his guards to find out which ones yeah. he was going to be playing, mm. uh, you know, who he needed to play and who he didn't need to play. Um, and they just they're a flow team, and once Plymouth got into them. Their flow slowed down. They struggled to score the ball. McSwiggan didn't score the ball much in the second half. And I think it was on the bench at the end. Mm. And um, they kind of hung on. But they would have hung on with a degree of positivity that, no, we can play with these guys. Yeah. And and going into the second leg, it was a similar story, really. They came out first five minutes. They they got up uh, 13 to to four and, 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 you know, in a good spot at that point. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, there was another different starting lineup for Plymouth. Mm. Um, because this time it was they started Christie at the three. Yeah. Um, it was started because Porter Button was injured, so the, it was McGill, Morsell, Beastie at the three, Hamilton and Ocherobia. And again, that's probably not a lineup that's played much, if at all, this year. Yeah, and yeah. it struggled. And you know, these games aren't games of lineups, they're games of five minute periods at a time. Have you got a lineup on that's going to make, make take advantage? And um, again, it was when um, Dusha comes in and McGill is then isn't kind of dribbling around and then jacking up 20 footers, but McGill is then in attack mode. Mm. Um, Ocherobia goes out of the basketball game and they get another shooter in the game. And the opposition have to work out um, how they're going to defend them. Are, are they going to, mm. you can't defend McGill or Marcel one on one on the wing because they're good enough to both make shots and get to the rim on basically anybody in this league. If they, so you have to have a spare defender. You have to have a help defender somewhere. But where does that help defender come from? Can't come from Will Neighbour. You know, Will Neighbour has to be defended like he's a six foot two shooting guard in the perimeter. You can't let him, you can't do that because he, that's death. He will make shots time and time again. But that leaves you with Ashley Hamilton. But if Ashley Hamilton's stepping on the three point line, are you really going to help a long way off him? Because mm. Ashley Hamilton's got the, the nous and the understanding of the game to know that these guys aren't really guarding me. I'm going to step up and knock down these shots, which leaves Elvisi. But we know that Elvisi's catch and shoot is excellent. Mm. So um, no one's figured out that lineup yet. Um, and I've got a couple, I mean, there's a couple of ways I think, I think you would probably look, you'd have to look at the numbers. I think you, what you would live with would be actually shooting threes. What you would live with was uh, um, uh, LVC, you know, sagging a little bit off LVC and then getting out to him because he doesn't like, he's not normally a, a fast catching shooter. Um, but this ability that they have when they've got their two shooters in the front court and they have McGill and Morsell on the wings, um, you know, it's offensively, it's it's dynamite. Mm. And again, it broke the game open both in the second quarter and in the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah, they had a 12-0 run in the second quarter and an 11-0 run at the beginning of the fourth quarter. In between the closest that uh, Worcester had got it was, was four points. But you always felt that Plymouth were going to at some point land the knockout blow. Yeah, just, just you know, that, that ability to get easy points in the playoffs. McGill, you know, he, you know, the, his he's a combo guard. He's probably in the higher league in, in Greece where he played. I imagine he plays a point guard because he's not big. But in this league, as a scoring guard, he's a dynamite because mm. you can see his mindset change. You see his skill set, and, and that's what you know. Dusha brings about. Um, I thought it was a bit. I was I was surprised Worcester didn't call a timeout to be in the fourth quarter. They had you know they used two timeouts in the last minute, fifteen seconds of the game, and they were down by twenty. Um, I thought, you know, that the game was being played at the beginning of the fourth quarter when when they went on that run. And I also think Worcester kind of ran out of gas, mm. you know, without parts, without that extra big guy. And, you know, Elan came in, like, for the first time in the tie with three minutes to go in the third quarter. And, you, you know, it's, it's a hell of an ask to get something from him at that point. Mm. Um, and Kimball, you know, up until the, the, the kind of the, the dying embers of the game, really wasn't a factor. And, and, you know, every time they've beaten a good team this year, um, Kimball's stepped up. Yeah. Kimball's Kimball stepped up and made shots. Um, and without him, it was just a little bit too much. So, so yeah, so congratulations to Plymouth. I think um, they absolutely deserved it. Yeah. Um, and, and as I say, they've got this, this, this killer lineup at the moment, which uh, it will be really interesting to see if London can defend. 
Just before we go on to the uh, to the two semifinals, just wanted a, a word about the uh, WBBL because it had this incredible yeah. run by the Newcastle Eagles. I mean, it was it was a phenomenal performance to defeat Leicester in the in the quarterfinal. And they celebrated it like it was their final. And you kind of thought, yeah, they've done that really well, but they're not going to beat Seven Oaks, who, who've won the last three playoffs, were, were, were almost undefeated for, for a second time in the league campaign, lost right at the end to Leicester. And, the, and they come out and just shoot the ball like you wouldn't believe in, the, in that game and, and, and made big shots and, 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 and knock out Seven Oaks. For the, it's, the best, it's the best run in WBBL playoff history. And to be honest with you, it stands up there with anything anywhere. Number seven seed making it to the final is incredible. Uh, absolutely. Um, the, I think the lesson I took from it um, is chemistry. And it's not chemistry in relation to people liking each other because everybody says that they like each other. Yeah. Everybody, you know, that's fine. It's a fact that um, Chris Button basically had five players and then Millie Oates playing a few minutes as a, mm. as a kind of a spot player for someone in foul trouble. You know, and of those five players, you know, only one is probably not a guard. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Abby Lowe is playing the four, but basically Abby Lowe is a guard. Yeah. Um, so... Those players have a comfort level with each other. Yeah. And they're not being swapped in and out um, with coaches trying different lineups. And it's obviously a disaster if you get to a point whereby one of them goes down or if they're, they're not working well together or, or, if they're, or if they're mismatched. But when they're actually matched up, they know exactly what they are. Mm. They know how they're going to win. They know they've got to shoot threes. Rachel Bland knows that she can't just stand there and pass the ball. She has to shoot, she has to shoot three. So she makes five of them. Yeah. Now, with if she was playing in, with a deeper team, which she has done for, for most of her career, it's unlikely that she'd be putting up as many shots. Yeah. And it's unlikely that she'd be having the impact that she was. Five for eight, to be fair. She didn't yeah. put that many up. She no, shot but, very well. But you heard Len Bush afterwards. Yeah. Len Bush afterwards, you know, he yeah. pointed that out. Yeah. And that comes down to, you know, being aware of what your responsibilities are and aware of the fact that it's you, it's nobody else. It's on you. Yeah. you, you you're going to win, you're going to lose, you're going to have fun. You've got nothing to worry about, nothing to be scared of. And um, the, and they, they get their shots. They've got a system which appears to put the players in the best position to get shots. Mm. So you've got Abby Lowe attacking from the top and you've got Garrell making plays everywhere and McVicker's mm. a bit of a, a, a late, late um, shot clock killer from what I can see. Mm. Um and it's a one game, you know. So yeah. seven notes have like they've gone two years without we lost lost a game, you know, or something yeah, yeah. like that. So you know, anything can happen in one game, and anything can happen in one half, which is basically what it was, yeah. which was that Newcastle made a ton of threes. Um, but um, you know, so so this isn't you know they're not a better. I don't think they're a better team than Seven Oaks. No, but you know, in, in certain circumstances, lightning can strike. We've been there in the BBL before. You you saw yeah. it with Leicester and Billy Mims going back twenty years. Yeah, yeah. You know, lightning can strike when you get the right the right people in the right place at the right time with the right motivation and a, a kind of a fearless environment, a fearless attitude, which is if I shoot the shot, if I miss, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and, they had, and they had some guts at the end. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they made some shots. You know, I mean, McVicker made a three with a minute to go, just like yeah. in the last game, they made plays. So no, I'm delighted for them. I, I yeah. obviously, you can probably tell I did watch the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've watched all the WBBL games, but I watched quite a few of them. Um, but, you know, success in the playoffs always comes down to togetherness and always comes down to lineups. And they yeah. found a lineup 
um, which is a tough cover for everybody else because it's not yeah. a line anybody else has seen in the league this year. As I say, it's got Abby Lowe playing basically the four, where, which is, you know, she can shoot the three or she can take, take any four off the dribble. So yeah. it causes other teams matchup problems. So congratulations to them. Be interesting to see how they go because obviously London have have quite a lot of depth in the and many different lineups to throw, but 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 it, well, it, it, it becomes a coaching game, you know. Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah, a coaching yeah. game from our Clark as opposed yeah. to Chris Button because Chris Button, see, it's it's relatively straightforward. I mean, you yeah. might have the um one of the, the the injured players back by then, but yeah. even then, then he's not going to change much. No. Um, whereas Mark's going to have to look at this and think, well, do we try and kind of dominate them inside yeah or do we um or do we match up with them on the perimeter yeah you know and, and, and how do we do we match up with all their guards and and that can throw people off because it throws them yeah. off the normal rotation so that that kind of yeah because you kind of think rodriguez gets in foul trouble they've got that's the only big they've got in the lineup so so what can they do but that happened at least they rode it out yes you know but you know before my time of being well i was watching on sky but you know uh, the amount of times over the years I've heard about the the, the famous five from Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1998, and then they the went Fab the, Five. Fab Five. Well, he was part of it. I don't think he yeah, was the main yeah, part of yeah. it. I think Nigel probably takes a lot of credit. Yeah, if you're yeah. watching Nigel because I know Fab isn't. Um, but you know, you don't need you need to have guys who know and people who know and trust each other yeah. just as much as you need to have a, a massive bench. Massive bench gets you through the season. Yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, the, the, the big games, it, the, it's the players on the court who win them for you. And there's only, so, yeah. only 200 minutes to go around. Well, it, it, well worth watching anybody at home because you've yeah. got uh, Alison Garrell who had a triple-double in the semi-final and Kennedy Leonard who almost had a quadruple-double yeah. in the quarter-final. So we could see some some monster numbers. Let's go on to the BBL uh, semi-finals. Obviously, over two legs played at the morning side arena this week tuesday and thursday night starting off and and we get to the top four or all yeah. of this talk about competitiveness and we still end up with the top four at the, at the end of it uh leicester against newcastle played each other six times this year three and three against each other obviously it's at the morningside arena it'll be it'll be dubbed as a neutral venue uh but newcastle have won there twice out of the three games that they've played well three times if you count the if you count yeah, the yeah. cup final as well where they beat beat London, um, you know it's the it's the old two going head to head. This is the old firm matchup if you like. Yeah, um, obviously Leicester have to be quite significant favourites. Um, that despite the fact that they're three and three, that might sound a little bit counterintuitive. The um, the two legged. Series, I think, does favour Leicester, and I think it favours them because they're more consistent than Newcastle. Um, which means that whilst Newcastle may win a number of quarters against Leicester, you don't see them ever blowing Leicester out in a quarter. Maybe you know it happened a couple. Maybe it happened in the, the last game they played. Third they quarter, yeah, of the last yeah, game. it did. But you know, you would be you know a little bit surprised if if that if that happened to Leicester again. Um, Newcastle have been far more up and down this year. In relation to their kind of their uh, um, intensity and effectiveness, even within quarters, and you could see a line, Leicester line getting going when um, you know, if, if, for instance, Gordon's on the bench or something like that, mm. which could put some distance between the two teams very, very quickly. Um, so that's why I think they are favourites. I think if it was a 
if it was a one-off, I would I would say it was a toss-up mm. because you know the, this Newcastle team is you know the the, the four and three against London, the three and three against Leicester. You know, and though that's too many games to say that that doesn't make a difference to, to say that you can't take them into account. Um, and really, you know, the, the the games that separated them in the season when Newcastle ended up losing to Manchester and Surrey and they losing to Glasgow, they're irrelevant now. Um, but it'll be. It, Walker's impact will be important. How Newcastle defend Crandall will be important. Um, whether Newcastle can avoid droughts, and particularly you know, how they get through the minutes without Gordon on the court um, are important because they've struggled in those minutes. He, he's in the big games, he's been the guy, you know, you'd be wanting him to be playing, you know, 36 plus minutes, to be honest. Um, give them a give them a shot. Whether or not, as I say, they can make enough threes. They're not a great three-point shooting team, um, Newcastle, and their defence has been rocky. That's the problem. They've got a rocky defence. It, it can be very good, but it can be very bad. I think they were eight out of 11 points per possession in the league. So whether they can sustain enough defence over two games um, to match Leicester is, is, is another question. Mm. Um, they can certainly do it over one. We know that. But we have to remember, before the... The, the third quarter you mentioned, the last league game they played, I mean, Leicester had basically blown them out for six consecutive quarters. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, because they'd won by 26 in the previous game. And Newcastle. Uh, they were double playing. figures up at halftime. At time, and, you know, so... And actually so, should have been further away. They, they, yeah. They, the way they played that first half. Newcastle you know, so, won so the last couple of That's why minutes. I suggest that they are favourites. Um, Leicester are weird because they're not a they're not a tremendous three point shooting team, albeit they look like they are. Mm. They get a ton of good looks. Um, Newcastle have actually defended Corey Johnson very well this year. He struggled against them. Um, if Leicester make threes, um, they are close to unbeatable, but they don't always make threes, even in their own gym. Um, will they play two games in a row where they miss enough threes? for Newcastle to remain kind of close down the stretch, I'm not sure. It's feasible, mm. um, but I'm not sure. And obviously, you know, you know, it all changes, you know, if someone hits Crandall on the hand and he hits his hand, you know, I mean, he's still not healthy, you know, so, mm. um, you know, if, if Gordon jumps up and twists his ankle, it all changes like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I think Leicester would expect to win, but I think they would have preferred to have played Sheffield and Newcastle. Mm. You know, if no, no, no coach ever says that we would prefer to play this team or that team, um, apart from Chris Button, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no coach ever says that. But I think um, they would have. Well, Sheffield kind of hang around against Leicester. Mm. I think Newcastle are a little bit more explosive, and they're they're a little bit more scary to go against because they are so up and they have been so up and down. Um, so we'll see. And uh, in the other one, London against Plymouth met five times uh, this year and uh, London have won uh, four of them. The one Plymouth uh, win was actually in London, uh, 75-81. They also had an overtime game uh, down at the Pavilions in the Cup, uh, which London London won. The, 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 the one with the biggest margin, everything has been five or six points except the the game down in Plymouth after Plymouth had beaten London the week before. 
Yeah, I mean, well, PG will be delighted to know that I think London will win. Pin that up. Um, the difficulty, I think, I think London are the best equipped team to deal with that lineup that I was mm. talking about because they've they have the bodies to pressure LVC um Dusha. And you know, when I say that, you know, they, they, we've seen games this year where they've really, really turned the heat up defensively on the perimeter. And well, they did it. They did it early in the year on a televised game that we did, where they yeah. they they were absolutely uh, hammering Plymouth, and and they allowed Plymouth back into the game in late on, and it finished up six. But but for yeah, the middle two quarters of that game, their defense was unbelievably good. And it starts on the point of attack. It starts on the ball, you know, yeah. because, you know, and that and that's that's a big thing. Um, also, they have the, the you know they have the length on the wings mm. to defend. Um, Morcel and McGill, and they have um, in in Parker, and they have a guy who can match up with with Hamilton. Um, so it's probably the the one they're probably the one team that um, have an athletic advantage over Plymouth in the whole league. Mm. Um, that said, you know London should be anybody. Mm. You know, so it's not a big thing to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. London should be anybody. And London's um, biggest um, issue is has been themselves. Um, it's not really been about what opposition have done to them. It's about whether they are all locked in in the right place. Because if they are, they should win. Mm. Um, because of the, the you've talked about, you know, Jules Dangakoda, who's potentially starting point guard in this league, or at the very least, a high level third guard in this league. Mm. And um, he's hardly playing. Mm. You know, so they've got more centers than you know you, you could shake a stick at, you know, you know. So in give up including the guy who can shoot in Shane Walker, a guy who can shoot a lot, Orlando Parker, if you play that, a big guy in Chris Tawaya who can bang away, Farah Ali Hodzic, who's a really solid international quality player, and then um big Kingsley. Mm. Who's coming and suddenly, you know, he's now seven foot one of, of, of pure bulk and he's mm. uh, with surprisingly quick feet and and, and uh, um, capability not to foul. So, with all of that, um, and and the uh, red hot Dirk Williams, the only team that can beat them is themselves. Um, that said, again, you'd feel better for Plymouth over one leg or over three legs mm. because London have this spurt ability which is so suited to two legged basketball. Mm. Whereby you can you can destroy a, a two-legged basketball game in in eight minutes. Yeah, they could probably do it in six, to be honest. Yeah, probably do it in six. Whereas if it's you know if it's a one-legged basketball game, they may never do that. In forty mm. minutes, they might never that that run might never come. In eighty minutes, the odds are it's going to come. Like it came against Cheshire at the beginning of the first quarter, and um, in three games, maybe the odds are it only happens once, and that gives Plymouth a shot of winning two games. Mm. You know, so I think the two-legged format suits suits London. Um, I like their ability to defend Plymouth, and I think there's uh, the, the difference maker that Plymouth had in eBay is a big one in this in not having him in this matchup because you saw how he changed the trophy final in the middle in the beginning of the fourth quarter when he was able to to be in there and he changed shots from everybody. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure that um, Ocherobia, who's a space filler. And Hamilton and um, Neighbour are capable of doing that for 80 minutes. It's a hell of an ask for them. You know, Ashley Hamilton, you could argue he's a, he's a three-stroke four, he's playing the five. Mm. Um, Will Neighbour is a, um, he's 6'10", but he's, he's, he's primarily a, a guy. He's nobody's idea of a, 
a dominant defensive inside presence. Mm. And um, uh, if London spread the floor against them, um, it's, you know, they've got to keep Robinson away. They've got to keep Liggins away. They've got to keep Williams off the three points. Just really tough. That said, McGill has shown that um, he's not scared of anything. Mm. And um, McGill has shown that he has um, the chutzpah to, um, you know, and then BJ's playing 40 minutes. So he's playing, yeah. 40, he's playing 80 minutes every game, 80 minutes, two legs. He's shown he has the, the kind of the willingness to, to compete and to get there. So he is their shot. I mean, they, London have to find somebody who can defend him. Um, but again, that's a lot over two legs to carry a team yeah. to that degree. Um, so who knows? Maybe somebody straight, maybe maybe sentence comes off the bench and gives them 10 points in 10 minutes. Maybe Beastie does the same, does, does what he does in the quarterfinal. They're going to need something more than what they just have been running off. That makes sense. It's not going to, McGill and Morsell aren't going to win this for them and, and um, on the perimeter. And Hamilton, I think, can take over one game. I'm not sure he can take over two. So, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see. It is, and uh, it'll be on uh, Sky Sports, all four games, Tuesday night, uh, 5 o'clock and 7.30, and the same again on Thursday night. Dave and I... I, I tend to prefer televideos coverage. <laughs> <laughs> Dave and I will be, uh, will be doing a, an extra special uh, post-semi-final, pre-final version um so look out for that it'll, it'll probably come on saturday we'll see we'll see what time we can get together to to send that out but we will do something to reflect on the semi-finals ahead of head of the final uh, and i think we're going to leave it there so uh thank you very much for listening and we will see you again at some point next week goodbye <laughs>